0: Bronco's cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with D-Crom. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you catch the kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromlow, and unless... Then one week, the dreams of hundreds of young men will come true as they will be drafted to play in the National Football League. And today, we kick off our extra special week of 2022 NFL Draft coverage here on SportsCrunch with a very special guest. Carmen Vitale is one of the best Powerhouse women in the world of pro football, and I am not being hyperbolic when I say that. She currently <laughs> resides at the Draft Network, the best 24 7, 365 NFL draft resource out there, where she is the senior NFL reporter and managing editor. But before then, she worked for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where as team reporter, she had a front row seat during the Bucs' road to triumph in Super Bowl 55. And she has graciously agreed to join us today to discuss all the last minute pre draft buzz and do our fifth and final mock draft of the year. Carmen, it is such a pleasure to meet you, and thank you so, so much once again for donating your time and talents to our program today. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. We appreciate you right back, Carmen, and without further ado, let's get started here. And as you know, this spring in the NFL can be summed up in one word, trades. We have seen star player after star player get traded for a bounty of draft picks, and we might not be done. As ESPN's Jeff Darlington reported on Wednesday, 49er star wide receiver Debo Samuel has asked for a trade. While the Niners apparently do not intend to honor that request this time, you know as well as anybody that things in the NFL can change in a flash. Can you see Debo getting traded either right before or during the draft? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge possibility. And I think if the price is right,
1: uh, obviously Debo is crucial to that San Francisco offense that's now, you know, has a few question marks to it. Um, and you want to keep as much continuity as possible. And I think as a GM, you of course want to say, no, I don't want this guy to go anywhere. And that's the politically correct way to handle that, or to at least handle it publicly. Um, but if you've got a guy that's, you know, unhappy where he is, then I, your hand is kind of forced. Um, uh, so I think that will I, I would be very surprised if Debo ends up being a 49er, um, at the end of all of this and starts next season on the 49ers roster, whether that happens now, whether it happens during the draft, I have to think it'll probably happen at some point before the end of the draft, just because you want, you think teams want to capitalize on that trade and the 49ers want to capitalize on that trade and get as much capital as they possibly can.
0: Yeah, especially given the ransom they gave up for Trey Lance last year, they might want that uh, first round pick back so they could get a target to build around Trey Lance uh, in the future. What teams do you see at the front of the line for Debo services? There. I have to think that Kansas
1: city is up there. I don't know how much, you know, they can make happen or or what the asking price is. I mean, this guy's a 26 year old wide receiver running back combo, but at the end of the day, you also have to pay him. So you can't, if you give up a King's ransom for him, that's, that's not where it stops. You still have to pay him. He wants to be paid like, you know, like top three receiver. Um, And I, and I think that that's valid for the impact that he can have on an offense. I just think it has to be the right kind of offense. So I, I look to the chiefs. Um, I think the Packers, you know, could even be a good place for him. Um, I mean, if Miami really gets greedy, I think that he would fit in really well with McDaniel's system. Obviously, McDaniel being a disciple of Shanahan from the 49ers, I think anyone that's kind of come up in that Shanahan system would know a little bit more of what to do with Debo. That being said, I mean, I think everybody should be putting in calls on this guy just to figure out what the asking price is. I don't think there's anybody that can sit back and say, no, we don't need him because I think every team could need him.
0: Oh, absolutely. And another team that's been speculated to have uh, interest in Debo is the New York Jets. Keep in mind, their offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, also coached under Kyle Shanahan with Mike McDaniel in San Francisco. And they made an aggressive move to try to trade for Tyree Kill. And uh, Joe Douglas at his press conference uh, on Thursday said, Uh, We're going to be aggressive, and uh, I believe we should expect the Jets, especially with the draft capital that they have, to be fully in on Debo and uh, maybe even be considered the leader of the pack because uh, the Chiefs are a little tight on the cap, and Jeff Chadia, who is out of the Kansas City area of NFL Network, said this morning uh, the Chiefs uh, viewed their chances of landing Debo as a long shot. Yeah,
1: and then I think most teams do, especially publicly, because you never want to say, oh, we think we're close, and then you know, look at what happened with the Jets when Tyree Hill ended up going to Miami, you know, it kind of leaked out that the Jets thought they were close, they were optimistic about it, and then it didn't end up happening, so I think that you kind of mums the word until then, but I, yeah, I mean, the Jets, the Jets are capable of making John Lynch in San Francisco an offer that he can't refuse, essentially, with all the capital that they have, if they're willing to part with it. That being said, I don't know if that's the smartest move, because the Jets still do have a lot of holes, and I think they need to address a lot of things in the draft still, um but I mean, again, like I said, this guy is an impact player. He can do it everything. and especially if you're willing to build an offense around him, um, at, you know this guy's limit. So I, I would I would understand um, Joe Douglas's desire to go out and get him too.
0: Definitely. And regardless of how the situation with Debo Samuel unfolds, Peter King said in his football morning in America column a week or so ago that he sees a lot of trades going down during the draft. Uh, For example, Saints general manager Mickey Loomis told Peter King in that column that since the consensus on draft boards across the league is the smallest it has been in a long time, maybe ever, he expects a player the Saints have graded in their top 20 to be within striking distance for them at 49 overall. And another GM anonymously said he could see teams without a first round pick this year trade next year's first and second to move as far up the board as possible. Just how robust do you see the trade market being on draft day itself?
1: Well, I think it's an interesting um, thing to kind of mull over, especially also because there's a lot of teams, not only are there a lot of teams, I think eight, I believe that don't have first round picks, but there are also multiple teams that have multiple first round picks. And that gives you a lot of flexibility as far as capital and to move around and to move up and, and everything like that. So I think that that's maybe more of the reason that I also think that there are going to be more trades just because of the fact that, I mean, is like the Eagles, for instance, is making two picks within three spots the right move, or do you package that? You move all the way up and you get the guy that you really want, um, and and or so you know something to that effect. Um, it'll be very very interesting though. This 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 draft really is a crapshoot. I feel like more than anyone any others have been in recent memory because you just don't know how it's going to fall. And I think quarterbacks are really going to dictate that um and we're going to see how you know how early how late these guys go um and it's just but it's interesting because we're fighting over guys that a lot of scouts and coaches and stuff don't even have first round grades on uh, but it doesn't change the fact that there's a lot of teams that still need a quarterback and the, the pickings are slim so i think quarter, the quarterback market will dictate a lot when it comes to this draft
0: you said it there carmen and speaking of quarterbacks Uh, Let's talk about this quarterback class for a moment. While this year's quarterback class is very underwhelming, as you alluded to, they still figure to be a central theme for how that first round unfolds, and we will very likely see three single callers get their names called next Thursday night, if not more. And the only mystery is when exactly they'll come off the board. So here's a hypothetical. Let's say the Carolina Panthers at six actually stay put, yet draft one of the top three offensive tackles, whether it be Evan Neal, Ikiakuanu, or Charles Cross. When would you anticipate the first quarterback being selected? I mean, I think it was it it was probably before the
1: Panthers. I think it I think it might be the Lions. I'm buying into this whole Malik Willis to the Lions thing. Um, I think Dan Campbell is crazy enough to do it. I, I think that, you know, honestly, Dan I feel like people are kind of unfairly saying that Dan Campbell could be on the hot seat. He hasn't realistically been able to do anything with that roster with the Lions after just a season. So you give him at least two more, I feel like. And and this is when it kind of comes down to him really having control and having a vision. And if he wants to shake things up, I, you know, I think that that could happen very realistically. Um, and then I also think that there's, I think the Steelers are gonna have to make some type of move um, to come up because especially if Malik does go in that number two spot that leaves Kenny Pickett. And then like you said, if Carolina doesn't end up taking a quarterback, um, which I'm on both sides of that Carolina is just a mess. I feel like they've become the new Jags um, which is terrible to say, but like, they're just, I don't feel like they have a, they have a direction that they're going in. But that being said, I mean, then you're looking at Kenny Pickett and then is it Desmond Ritter? Is it Matt Corral? Like that third quarterback spot? Yeah. I think at least three quarterbacks will go, but like, I don't know which who that third quarterback is going to be. And I think it's going to be team dependent, um, but I don't think Steelers can sit back where they are and expect to get a quarterback down there that they really like um and i don't know how how they'll facilitate moving up like that but it's going to be like i said everything is going to be dictated on these quarterbacks and i wouldn't be surprised if you see more like four quarterbacks go in the first round because that
0: position just always rises oh it most certainly does and i totally agree with you the idea that dan campbell is on the hot seat is just absolute nonsense i saw the lions in person twice last year once in chicago uh, the other time in Denver and uh, Dan Campbell just had those guys playing hard the whole game in and, and that game against the Bears if it weren't for uh, a lot of blown opportunities in the red zone they could have won that game and in that game against Denver yes uh, they got they got clobbered in that game but they were COVID and injury riddled that game yet they threw a very ample counterpunch in the second quarter uh, that made the game more interesting than it uh could have been uh, given the eventual outcome of that game. So I could definitely see the Lions uh, taking Malik Willis. Plus he could sit for a year behind Jared Goff and uh, iron out all the kinks. It's not the worst landing spot from whatsoever. No, I think that, and I think that that's what it's
1: going to take for Malik Willis to be successful in this league. I don't think that, I think the learning curve is going to be pretty steep for him. And I don't want him to go into a situation where he's expected to perform right away. I think that's the worst. That's the easiest way to ruin a quarterback. Um, especially a guy that's coming from a smaller program. And I mean, he's got a different skill set and he's got a skill set that like that this is the way this league is trending, right? With these dual threat quarterbacks. But I I want him to be able to develop and Jared Goff would give him that chance. He wouldn't be expected to come in. And I mean the Lions in general. I mean, I don't think anybody's expecting them necessarily to be contenders quite yet. I think they're building towards it, but it's a really low pressure situation. And so that's why I think that Malik would be so good there. And again, like I I I'm kind of like when Detroit hired Dan Campbell, I was like, what is this experiment? But in talking to people and talking to guys that play for him, I, I have a good friend on their coaching staff. Like they love him and like they coaches, players alike, they want to play for him. They want to do well for him. They want him to stick around. They just, they love everything about his energy. And this felt like I said, especially the coaching staff, like they, my, like, they were just like, it's listen, this is a good, like we're headed in a good direction. There is a direction for this. And we we have fun. I have fun. I have so much fun going to work. And you want to coach for a guy like that. So if they can actually turn it around, I mean, I mean, that's such, it's such a good recipe for success. And I think it just takes a little bit of time. I can't believe I'm saying that about the Lions, but I am.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, the way you described uh, Dan Campbell just uh, makes me more giddy about another Head coach in the NFL, and uh, you can kind of read between the lines as to which head coach that is, uh, judging by what I said a couple seconds ago. Because uh, just to summarize, how much I love football, both my favorite professional sports teams are NFL teams. One is the Denver Broncos, and the other, I believe, they're your favorite NFL team, the Chicago Bears. What is the latest intel you're hearing about the draft plans of both of those respective teams?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in like like I said, how Detroit. It is kind of in this wait and see mode and, and it t- that knowing that this building this roster takes time. I think Chicago is is all on board with that too. They recognize a the rebuild when they see it. I, Chicago fans are really good about being pretty self-aware. They're not always rational, but they're pretty self-aware. And I think that you know these guys, both Eberfloose and Ryan Pol- GM Ryan Poles have come in and been like, there is no quick fix for this. But we are going to keep working and we are going to build this roster the right way. Um, I think that they garnered a, quite a bit of trust already. Um, and it seems like all the reports coming out of Bears camp so far, or the voluntary workouts. I mean, Justin Fields has been there from the get-go. He's taken command of this offense. He is more confident than ever. Eberflus has just wonderful things to say about him. And it seems like they're getting along and meshing really well, um, which is a new concept for the Chicago Bears because they're not used to having a quarterback and they're not used to having an offense. So we'll see how that goes, but I think that they're doing things the right way. It's not the quick way, but it's going to pay off in the end. And I think that they're getting that buy-in from Bears fans and from people around the city and from people in the building for that matter. Um, that being said, the, I mean, the Broncos, It's you don't really need to have anybody buy into the Broncos. you got Russell Wilson now. Uh, he's probably about the easiest guy to buy in on um but the staff is really the new staff has been great I actually have a a good friend on the on the Broncos coaching staff as well they work out together they do meetings together like everything is very cohesive on that staff and I think that's going to permeate then into um how they decide to you know kind of build this team and at this point you don't have a first round pick but you've got a lot of these mid-round picks uh in the draft for the Broncos and this is a deep draft. It's a very deep draft and you're going to be able to get some starting talent in the third, fourth rounds. Um, so you can capitalize on that very much. So with all those picks that you have in the mid round from all the different trades that have happened. Um, so best player available. I mean, you've got some needs on the offensive line. Sure. Um, and, 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 you know, you, I think you want some more targets even for Russell Wilson, but like, you're going to be able to get those guys in those mid rounds. And I don't think you need to force anything at that point.
0: Oh, absolutely. And as I'm sure you know, Broncos general manager George Payton uh, views the draft as uh, a dartboard. And his belief is the more darts you acquire, the greater your chances of getting a bullseye. So uh, he is known for uh, trading back. And based on how the Bears roster currently looks, I would expect a very similar approach from Ryan Poles in this draft. Would you? Yeah. I think that they're probably
1: kind of one and the same in that. And I think that that's a really good and realistic way to be. I mean, I think a lot of these guys get caught up in ego and, and like maybe overconfidence where they're like, Oh, I know exactly who I'm picking and I know how he's going to turn out. And the reality of this is there are very few prospects that, you know, right off the bat are going to be great players. And, and even those prospects that you do know, you just never know. So I think that, yeah, the quantity is always going to be better at this point like the more you can get the more you can accrue the better your chances are of hitting that's just simple math and it, like it probably plays into the whole gambling uh scene too because the more you know the more you play the more chances you have i i don't know i'm not a huge gambler myself but that being said the draft is a gamble and that's why it's really fitting actually that it's in vegas this year i think that's fun
0: Oh, absolutely. At speed of Vegas, Carmen and the draft network crew will be in Vegas next week for the draft. And if you want to meet up with them, uh, go to the draftnetwork.com for more information. And now we have a listener question from my friend Garf, who happens to be a Packers fan and uh, both you and I feel the same way about the Packers, but nonetheless, we have to answer this question. And uh, as you know, the Packers have historically preferred to wait until the second round to draft a wide receiver whether that be Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, and obviously Devontae Adams, do you think Green Bay actually drafts a wide receiver in the first round this year? Well, I
1: mean, they've got two first round picks this year. So like, there's really, I will be, I will, I will be cackling if they do not, I will find it hysterical if they don't, but I have to think that that's on the agenda for the first. I mean, you've just got nobody for Aaron to throw to. And I have to imagine that like, because all those reports came out that Aaron knew that Devontae was, you know, going to be traded or that was at least an option when he re-signed. I had to imagine there was some contingency there that was like, okay, if that happens, when that happens, we will still get you help. Because Aaron is not going to re-sign and be all gung-ho about this and wanting to do it on his own. He's just too much of a baby for that. So I'm going to get my digs in on Aaron Rodgers when I can. That being said, I have to think that they're actually they they're going to do it. 2022 is a new... For the Packers, they are going to draft a receiver in the first round. If they don't, like I said, I will be cackling. I will get Paige. Paige and I will just be snickering in some sports sportsbook, um, you know, at, at, like at the draft in Vegas, just loving life if that doesn't end up happening. But I have to imagine it does.
0: Oh, absolutely. And if that happens, uh, I'll be snickering with you and Paige and Courtney and Spirit, so to speak. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> And uh, with just a week before the draft, we always tend to get hot buzz about certain players rising up boards and others falling down boards. Which players do you believe will get drafted much earlier than anticipated? And which players do you believe will be drafted much later than anticipated? I hope that
1: Kyle Hamilton goes higher. Then I, this whole positional value thing with safeties and that being a reason to not draft him in the top 10, in the top five, for that matter. I mean, like he's the number one gritted prospect on TDN's board or has been for a while. And I just, I don't buy into the fact that just because it's a safety, that means you don't take him early. Um, And historically we haven't seen that, but then this game, the way it's going, good safeties are, especially one is rangy and versatile. As he is, I mean, you need all the help you can get on the back end with all these receivers. Um, so I would love to see Kyle Hamilton go. I would love to see him go in the top five, at least the top 10. Um, I'm just such a huge fan of his, which is, again, a weird thing for me to say about another Dame player. But that being said, that speaks to how, volumes as to how like wonderful of an athlete he is. Um, but... I also think there's going to be a rise just overall in offensive tackles. I don't think we're talking, we talked a lot about interior guys. and I'm really glad that they're getting their due and people aren't shying away from, you know, Tyler Lindenbaum and Kenyon green and all these guys going in the first round. Um, because I think, again, they've been unfairly victimized by this whole notion of positional value as far as um, interior offensive line goes. But I think there's a lot of teams that sneakily need to tackle and I think that there's, you know, more teams than, than we've been talking about prospects as far as prospects that could go in the first round. Um, so I, would, I think that there might be a rise in tackles. You might get some more tackles um, up the board and uh, just offensive line in general, but that could also be wishful thinking just because I always root for those guys <laughs> I want them to get their money. I want them to get their due. Um, but yeah, and then uh, Jalen Petrie is another safety. I should have probably said this along with Kyle, but again, the positional value not, I, I don't buy into a lot of it. Uh, but I think Jalen Petrie is a guy that a lot of people around the league really, really like scouts and stuff that I've talked to really like him out of Baylor. And I think he could sneakily kind of get in there in the first round, maybe in the later, later parts of the first round. I think people would be even over Lewis scene, um, out of Georgia. I don't know. I think those guys are kind of neck and neck as far as prospects go and in the eyes of a lot of, you know, people I've talked to around the league. Um, and yeah, I don't know. And so I, as far as like guys that'll fall out, I don't, I don't really have anybody off the top of my head that I can say like, yeah, he's going to go later. Maybe Derek Stingley. Um, I wasn't super like, he's a freak athlete. Um, And this is probably just me being the the reporter bias, obviously, that I have. Speaking to him at LSU's Pro Day, I mean, it was like pulling teeth. He's not a media darling by any stretch. And, And by no means am I suggesting that that means anything about his play on the field. Um, but I wonder what it means for, you know, leadership and kind of locker room kind of chemistry uh, when it comes to him. And I don't know how much teams will really look at that. I think they'll see the eye-popping numbers and how athletic he is and be like, oh, he's going in the top 15. Um,
0: But I don't know. I wouldn't also be surprised if he slid. Yes. And uh, you bring up a tackles rising. Uh, Is uh, Bernard Ryman a name we could watch out for in the later part of the first as well later part of the first yeah I've seen a few mocks
1: actually with him kind of sneaking up into there and that was kind of honestly that was one of the things that kind of sparked like well this team needs an offensive tackle and this team also needs an offensive tackle and then again but I think it all just to bring it all the way back like this is going to be dictated on how many quarterbacks are taken in the first round and and I think it hinges a lot on that sixth pick with Carolina and what they end up doing um, if they you know take away an offensive tackle from the board or not, or if they take a quarterback, we'll
0: see. Absolutely. And another reason why I personally agree and see Ryman uh, sneaking into the late part of the first round is because uh, this uh, tackle class, there's like five tackles uh, at the top of the board. Uh, obviously the big three, Neil Aquino Cross. then you got Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, then you got Ryman. But after that, it is a huge, huge, huge drop, huge drop off. So that is why I can easily see Ryman going in the uh, later part of the first round. And you mentioned uh, Jalen Petrie as well. Tony Pauline of uh, Pro Football Network reported weeks ago, if not a month ago, that the Chiefs are in love with Jalen Petrie and they see him as a potential replacement for, for Tyron Matthews. For Tyron and the Chiefs Matthew. sit there at 29 and 30. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he's one of their two picks there.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly, I wouldn't be either. And I, like I've said, I've, I've heard that from multiple um sources around the league just how much they really like this guy and and that, no one's really talking about him on the national media sector at least uh so i think that'll be interesting i could very much see him getting into the first round
0: she is carmen vitale ladies and gentlemen of the draft network follow her on twitter at CarmiV. v and carmen we have reached the most exciting part of our program today our fifth and final mock draft of the season using the mock draft machine that you guys, Yay! the draft network, put together. Carmen, Yay! you are going to be picking with the odd number picks. I'll be picking with the even number picks. You're on the clock with the Jaguars at one. Uh, I'm not overthinking this. I'm going Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson
1: to the Dragons. He's a great player. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> uh, yes, I. I'm a big Trayvon Walker fan, and I think he could be a very, very, very good player. Don't get me wrong. But what Hutchinson brings to Jaguars, he is a culture builder. His uh, work ethic, his attitude rubbed off on everybody at that program in Ann Arbor. And that's exactly the kind of player the Jaguars need to join up with Trevor Lawrence and lead the team to better days. I think uh, Aiden Hutchinson is the ideal pick for the Jaguars at one if they want to go pass rusher over tackle. And now the Lions are on the clock. I agree that the Lions would not be a bad landing spot whatsoever for Malik Willis, but uh, going back to Broncos GM, George Payton, if you have any major qualm about a quarterback, do not risk it. And I have a qualm or two about Malik Willis on the field and in terms of whether or not he can reach his ceiling. So I am going to pass on Malik Willis here. Trayvon Walker. I think he's going to be a very, very good player, but Kayvon Thibodeau, was being talked about as the top overall pick in the draft as early as last November. And he has gotten dissed for similar egregious nonsensical reasons that somebody named Justin Fields got dissed for last year. Oh, he's not passionate about the game. He doesn't care about the game. Oh, that is hogwash. Plus I I think the lions have a lot more Intel on Thibodeau than most other teams because they drafted the guy who he, Faced off in practice for several years last year in Panay Sewell. And if Panay Sewell gave them a glowing review about Kayvon Thibodeau, and I definitely have heard uh, things that the Lions that suggest they are interested in Thibodeau and are very intrigued by him, I'm going with Kayvon Thibodeau right here too for the Lions. So Aiden Hutchison, Kayvon Thibodeau to kick off the draft. Houston Texans on the clock at three. Well, I'm about to make this three edge rushers in a row because now
1: I'm going to take Trayvon Walker. Uh, that Georgia defense was just insane, and he, I think he's a fantastic player, um, and he's so versatile, and I just think that the Texans need help all along that line, so uh, they're going to get instantly better. I think you, build, you can build around Trayvon Walker for sure.
0: Absolutely, and uh, I think he would be very good in a Lovey Smith defense. He could line up all over that line and help you generate pressure with only four. Now the Jets are on the clock. I was initially eyeing one of these edges, but the edge cupboard is bare now. Sauce Gardner would make a lot of sense for the Jets here at four. He is that tall, long corner that Robert Sala absolutely covets. And his play style is very similar of somebody that Robert Sala coached in both Seattle and in San Francisco, Richard Sherman. And also Ahmad Garner, he is like, the cleanest prospect off the field in this class. He's like a a proven leader. He's a, a family man. He There's just not a bad thing to be said about him. He is a guy who works his butt off who you want in your locker room. He kind of has a similar pedigree as Patrick Sertan, the guy the Broncos took it uh, nine overall last year. Yeah, obviously, it was a sexy pick because he passed over just Fields and Mac Jones. But as a Patrick Sertan showed us on the field and in the locker room, he sets a standard for his teammates to follow. The Jets need that on defense. Sauce Garner's my pick at four.
1: Wow. Very nice. Um, For the Giants, I mean, I feel like you're going to have to start the run on tackles at this point because they still need to, you know, their GM was talking about how they did not put Daniel Jones in a position to be successful. I think that the first step in rectifying a situation is is acknowledging it. So they're going to try and make Daniel Jones more comfortable. I think I'm going to go with Evan Neal here.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Either him or Akeem Aquan would make perfect sense for the Giants. Both those guys are those big, beefy tackles that, uh, heaven forbid, if they fail outside, they can kick inside to guard. Those are the kinds of tackles uh, Joe Shane and Brandon being drafted together in Buffalo. And I w- would believe that he would have his eye on one of those two tackles, although Charles Cross wouldn't be too surprising either. And now the Carolina Panthers at six, the most ideal thing for the Panthers to do would be to trade back, especially if they do intend to take a quarterback. But I don't believe they intend to take a quarterback after reading uh, Josh Norris's mock drafts, because they still have a lot of cap room to get a Jimmy Garoppolo or a Baker Mayfield at some point down the road. And they just haven't had a consistent left tackle since Jordan Gross retired in uh, 2013. And I am going to go with Akeem Aquanu as my pick at six because uh, Aquanu, uh, he uh, has that physical mindset that Matt Rule wants in his players. And Akeem Aquanu would uh, do wonders for whoever the Panthers quarterback is in 2022. So Akeem Aquanu at six, Giants on the clock again at seven. By the way, trades are open.
1: Trades are open,
0: huh?
1: Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, do the Lions, I mean, at this point, you've got your top three edge guys off the board. Uh, do the Giants really need a pick now or can they trade back and
0: get? Uh, I have a couple of potential partners willing to come up.
1: Do you? All right, let's 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 explore some trades here.
0: Yeah, I can think of uh, two candidates. One okay. is obviously the Steelers, But Mm -hmm. since the Panthers passed on a quarterback, I think the Steelers can hold their fire for a bit. Here is a very underrated candidate to move up here. The Los Angeles Chargers. They are trying to capitalize on the final season of what will most likely be the final season of Justin Herbert's rookie contract before they have to pay him a fortune. And uh, he is going to most likely have to get paid more full guarantees than Deshaun Watson. He just is. That's all there is to it.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Herbert
0: fan. Same here, even though he plays against my Broncos, I can't help but root for the guy. He's uh, such a good guy and uh, uh, bringing uh, his talents to uh, a franchise that has been snake bit. Uh, Hopefully he can lead them to a Super Bowl during his career. And the Chargers, one of the most glaring holes if not the most glaring hole left on their roster is right tackle. Mm -hmm. And if you trade up to the Giants at seven and get one of the top three tackles, whether that be Charles Cross, Akeem Aquanu or Evan Eil and line him up opposite Rashawn Slater, who was an absolute stud as a rookie. Justin Herbert's <laughs> going to be having a squeaky clean Jersey for nearly 10 years. And that is yeah. not hyperbole. So we're going to trade see how with much the it chargers takes here and see how much the oh, giants yeah. and the chargers and the giants. Uh, I'm going to ask for pick 17 they're fourth this year and the Chargers second next year send the offer and i think the Chargers are going to improve the offer they did approve the offer Chargers are now on the clock at 7
1: yeah no so then you're going to take you're going to take Charles Cross as the best tackle available yeah team Te- me up quite nicely there
0: definitely and uh and uh, do you share my view that the chargers uh, could be a very sneaky candidate to trade up that we should not be sleeping on?
1: Yeah. I, I had, honestly, I hadn't really entertained that as much because in some mocks that I've done, I've had them at least I've had like guys like either Jordan Davis or even Devonte Wyatt falling to them. And I think that solidifying that interior on the defense is going to make them unstoppable given all of the ways that they've beefed up that side of the ball this off season. But I mean, yeah, you're right. They're, this is really, really making sure that Justin Herbert is untouched and very comfortable and uh, giving my guy, Rashawn Slater, his fellow bookend, my fellow wildcat, go cats, um, Rashawn Slater. I'm a big, I'm a big Slater fan.
0: Yeah, same here. He and uh, Greg Newsom did you proud last year?
1: They sure did, man. Two cats in the first
0: round. Just, and you might see never it. see that again, unfortunately. I know, but, you really
1: might not. But, but hopefully, okay. uh,
0: fingers crossed for you that uh, you do. And now the Atlanta Falcons are on the clock. Last year, uh, Terry Fontenot went with the absolute best player on the board, regardless of position, and that was Kyle Pitts. And Kyle Pitts is well on his way to becoming one of the three, if not one of the two best tight ends in all of football. The same could be said for Kyle Hamilton and the safety position, and defensive coordinator Dean Pease loves, and I mean loves his safeties. And it's not just for the Dean Pease scheme. As I'm sure uh, you know as well, Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley, Bears and Broncos fans know those two guys well. It is their defensive scheme that is the most in vogue scheme across the league right now. And to run that scheme, you need safeties big time. And uh, although uh, Dean Pease doesn't run the same scheme, it's safety dependent just like that scheme. And Kyle Hamilton is easily the best player on the board for the Falcons right now. I am going with Kyle Hamilton at eight.
1: Good, he made it in the top 10. Yay. <laughs> well then wow, this really tees up the Seahawks because they are in desperate need of a quarterback and now they've got their pick. And Bullock ain't I, the answer. Yeah. I uh I'm gonna yeah, we're gonna have to go with Malik Willis to the Seahawks.
0: Yes. Uh that said uh He could afford to sit a year behind Drew Locke. And uh, even if Drew Locke uh, stinks up the joint, so to speak, and uh, Malik uh, owns uh, his fundamentals, the Seahawks are going to be in excellent position next year in the draft with two firsts to build around him. So uh, there you go. Malik Willis to the Seahawks at nine. And now the New York Jets are back on the clock at 10. And as I mentioned, uh, the Jets, uh, they may make a big play for Debo Samuel. They did all they could to trade for Tyree Kill. And I believe they were also hot on Allen Robinson's trail in free agency. Mm-hmm. Sure. So they need a receiver to complement what they have. Elijah Moore and Corey Davis are very good players, but they're not alpha males, if you know what I mean. They need an alpha male in that wide receiver room. And there is no wide receiver in this class that has a complementary skill set to those two guys better. Than Drake London. Drake London is that big receiver who moves exceptionally well, very much like Cortland Sutton of the Broncos. And with those moon balls from Zach Wilson, uh, what better guy to go up and get him than Drake London? Drake London is the pick here for the Jets at 10. Washington Commanders on the clock. Yeah, I mean, Washington also could use a receiver. They need some
1: more um, weapons for that offense. But I also think that they are in desperate need of some secondary help. And when you do have Derek Stingley just kind of sitting there um, at 11, I think that you're going to have to go with that. You're going to have to help help that defense. I know Ron Rivera will know exactly what to do with him. Ron Rivera is a big defensive guy. Don't overthink it. Just go to Derek Stingley.
0: Derek Stingley jr. The pick for the commanders at 11 overall in this fifth and final mock of the season. And now the Vikings at 12 and new GM Kwesi Adolfo Mensah, new head coach, Kevin O'Connell. They got a bit of a split hairs dilemma here, so to speak, because Jermaine Johnson and Garrett Wilson are still on the board. Uh, Hunter is a very, very good player, but he's been injured badly the past couple of seasons. And, uh, even if he is healthy this year, you need another bookend to help him rush the passer. And with Ed Donatel bringing the Fangio scheme there, you don't want to blitz often. Jermaine Josh will be excellent that year, but you also have to keep this in mind. Adam Thielen is 32 years old. Why not get Justin Jefferson, a running mate, a similar player who gets open on a dime, plays much bigger than his size, and could go up and catch all those balls from Kirk Cousins I am going with, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. I think Kevin O'Connell would scream for Kwasi adolfo to take Garrett Wilson in this situation. And the new head coach wins out. Garrett Wilson's the pick. I like it. Texans on the clock Texans are back. Looking at the board and seeing,
1: there's not a ton of, I mean, you got the Saints ahead of you, but that's about it when it comes to QB needy teams. I'm thinking if the Steelers want to come up now. But I think that you can kind of, you can kind of ride this out because Philadelphia is not I don't think Philadelphia is going to take a quarterback I think that Jalen Hurts doesn't get enough credit. I actually really like him. You're set, Baltimore's set, the Giants are set. Saints yeah, like I said could take a quarterback but that still leaves I think I think I'm good. I just I just talked through all that in my head. Um but let's do let's see for the Texans we got still on the board. Oh, you know what? They still need offensive line help. And I am a huge Trevor Penning fan. I got to see him at the combine. That was the first time that I really got to, you know, we got to talk to him and he just reminded me a lot of the guys that I had with the bucks, uh, these small school, very scrappy, very nasty offensive linemen. Um, he reminded me just his attitude in general, reminded me a lot of uh, Ryan Jensen. Obviously they played different positions, um, but I, I just I love that attitude out of offensive linemen. I love that kind of attacking attitude and just like that nasty, you know, one's gonna mess with my quarterback type guy. And for a team that needs as much culture shifting as Houston does, I think that he would be so good for that offensive line. Um, so let's take Trevor Penning for Houston. I love that actually. Love that pick.
0: Trevor Penning, the pick for the Texans at 13. And uh, just to throw a little uh, nugget in there, the most important position in that Lovey Smith defense is the three technique. Devontae White would make a lot of sense here as well, but we will indeed go with Trevor Penning because he makes sense because uh, Laramie uh, Tunsell's long-term future in Houston is a major, major mystery at the moment. And the Baltimore Ravens are now on the clock at 14. This would be a quintessential Ravens pick right here. Just wait. For the board to fall to you, and a player that you really love and really need is right there for the taking, Jermaine Johnson. Last year, the Ravens drafted a very promising edge pass rusher in Odafe Owe at 31 overall, but you need another running mate for him in the pass rush. Uh, outside of Odafe Owe, they do not have anybody that can rush that quarterback off the edge, and you need to get to Joe Burrow in order to have a chance to constantly win the AFC North for this next decade. Jermaine Johnson will be the pick for the Ravens at 14. Eagles on the clock at 15.
1: Yeah, now I think you're getting into um, I, the Eagles. They've got an aging, they've got an aging line on either side of the ball, um, as far as offensive line, defensive line. But I think now you've got both Georgia interior D tackles on the board, and I think I'm going to go with Devonte Wyatt here. I, I think I don't think you go wrong with either one. Um, I think that Devontae Wyatt's a little bit more polished at this point. I think that Jordan Davis kind of turned people on their heads at the combine and people were like, oh yeah, you're really good too. But I think that Devontae Wyatt has been really consistent. So let's put a slot him in there. And I think Eagles fans are really happy about that.
0: Oh, absolutely. And uh, plus Devontae Wyatt uh, is the ideal long-term replacement uh, for Fletcher Cox, who is likely uh, entering his final season with the Eagles. And now the Saints are on the clock with their first of two picks in this mock. And even though Kenny Pickett's on the board, I think we can wait to take a quarterback until 19. Jameson Williams is still on the board, and there's buzz that suggests he can go as early to the Jets at 10, and that wouldn't be a surprise. Jameson Williams, he is the ideal complement To Michael Thomas, just as I said that Drake London was the ideal complement to Elijah Moore and Corey Davis for the Jets. Similar situation with Jamison Williams and Michael Thomas in New Orleans. Michael Thomas, that do-it-all receiver, but Jamison Williams brings the speed, the the deep speed that Michael Thomas doesn't have, plus a lot more. He and Jameis Winston would develop an instant rapport together. Jamison Williams to the Saints at sixteen, and now the Giants at seventeen.
1: Yeah, so let's think about this. He got the edge guy. I, I was I was kind of hoping, honestly, that you know Jermaine Johnson was going to keep falling. Uh, that didn't quite happen for the Giants, but they've also had a lot of success already. I feel like this
0: draft. So you can kind of just kind of take best player. Let's see. I think Zion Johnson would make a lot of sense here. Yeah, he might not be a tackle, but he has arguably one of the highest floors of any player in this draft, not the highest floor of anybody yep. in this draft. You We gave them uh, Evan Neal, and you add Zion Johnson, an offensive line with Andrew Thomas at left tackle, Evan Neal at right tackle, Zion Johnson at one of the guard spots. You're doing Daniel Jones a big favor here. That's true. scroll down just a little bit,
1: just because I want to see. I like Devin Lloyd a lot. I think that he's not getting enough credit because he's out of the Pac-12, and I get it. People don't really give the Pac-12 the time of day. But Utah has had a very, very good defense for a very long time, like top in the country, top 10 in the country for a very long time, and they know what to do with their linebackers. That being said, you've also got Daxton Hill there. And I appreciate what you said about Zion, or Kenyon Green for that matter. Now let's go Zion. At the end of the day, I'm going to go Zion. Zion I, yeah, if, if you're coming into this draft thinking that you're going to make Daniel Jones as comfortable as possible, and you're really going to set him up for success, I think that that is that's right, right, right up there.
0: It I'm most certainly is. Line. And now I am on the clock again with the Eagles at 18. Howie Roseman is still pissed off for taking Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. He's still embarrassed by it. I guarantee you. And he is not done um, making up for that. And there is a receiver on the board right here. And Chris Olave, who brings a lot of the same skills that Jalen Rager brings, although he's much more polished and much more proven entering the NFL and a receiving core with him and Devante Smith. It might not be, uh, big size wise but you would get size guys eventually down the road uh, having a uh, Devonte smith working underneath and chris olave taking the top off the defense that would be a very good scenario for any quarterback to walk into chris olave the pick for the eagles at 18 saints on the clock at 19
1: yeah i think now you go for kenny pickett like he's still there you kind of get the added bonus of swiping him from the steelers right right after you Uh, And you don't necessarily know your answer at quarterback. And I think that they would love to develop somebody and uh, Kenny has the highest floor. We'll see what his ceiling is, but I mean, he could be a Drew Brees esque type guy. So we'll see.
0: Yet the Steelers, I think are going to be happy with the quarterback they're going to take here. Desmond Ritter, no quarterback has had a better pre-draft process than Desmond Ritter. He has shown his immense football smarts, his decision-making and his untapped athleticism. He is like another Alex Smith type quarterback in the making. And if you could get him to the level that Alex Smith was at when he was with Andy Reid and the Chiefs on a consistent basis, you've struck gold here. And that uh, quarterback play style meshes perfectly with the play style of the Steelers. We're going to be a physical defensive oriented team. We are going to just wear you out and we're going to have that kind of quarterback that can play into that identity. Desmond Ritter is my pick for the Steelers at 20.
1: Yeah. I think that that's the one they want anyway. I don't know. I just have, I, he, he feels like a Tomlin guy to me. Oh, um, point. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. He just does. And like, and they, they talked at his pro day and I just, I don't know. I, I like him for Tomlin. All right. With the Patriots. Uh, I hate that I'm about to give Belichick this guy because this is my favorite prospect of this entire draft. His name is Trent McDuffie and he's the corner out of Washington and he is the perfect Belichick player. This guy is smart. He is anticipatory. He is athletic as hell. He is fantastic. And he studies tape as like, he told us at the combine five hours a day and if that's not music to Belichick's ears, I don't know what would be. And I hate that Belichick is going to get him, but I don't see them passing on someone like that.
0: Yeah, Trent McDuffie is a very interesting prospect uh, because uh, there's everything to like about him except his everything. arm length. They're sub-30 inches, and uh, there's not a lot of evidence of corners with that arm length succeeding in the NFL. Um, do any of your uh, colleagues at the Draft Network strongly believe he can uh, buck that trend?
1: Yeah, I think that everyone I've talked to at the Draft Network, everyone I've talked to um, out in the NFL world as far as scouts and coaches and stuff, they're all in love with this guy. And not to mention like hes he talked even in his podium session at the Combine about how he's like, yeah, I want to play safety. Like this guy wants to hit people and he wants to be physical and he wants to get his nose in there and his short little arms in there. Um, But I think that, you know, given how athletic he is and I, I forget what his vertical was, but it was very impressive. I mean, you can make up for having short arms when it comes to that on the outside. But if that doesn't work, then you slot him in maybe at nickel. Maybe you do kind of put him in this hybrid safety role, whatever his best traits are. You can believe that Belichick would exploit them in that, in that new England offense or defense. He knows exactly how to put all the puzzle pieces together. And he's been doing that for decades, which is why he's so good. Unfortunately.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And now the Packers on the clock at 22. And I do not like that I'm about to give this guy to the Packers. The best guy left on the board, Jordan Davis. Remember when the Packers had B.J. Raji, the freezer? This yeah. guy great. is going to blow B.J. Raji out the water, metaphorically speaking. B.J. Raji no longer plays in the league, but uh, if you thought B.J. Raji was a good player for the Packers, Jordan Davis is going to be a Great player for the Packers on that interior defensive line. He is going to make it impossible for teams to run against the Packers. And he could even um, offer up a lot in the pass rush as well. Jordan Davis is the pick for the Packers here at 22. Cardinals at 23. I I, I see them. Like, I feel like, and this could be my bias. I I
1: was a game day assistant for them back in college. And it was during the time, I'm dating myself, but it was during the time that they drafted Patrick Peterson. And so I've always had a soft spot for, or I've always thought of the Cardinals at least having some really good secondary and defensive back players, cornerbacks, all that kind of stuff. And I would be very interested to see what, I think they have some interesting pieces on their defense currently, some positionless players on that defense um, it, with it as part of the front seven. So I think you need to in order to truly let those guys be as positionless as, as they can be, you need to have, you know, some levels of the defense pretty solidified. So I'm going to go with Andrew Booth, uh, the cornerback out of Clemson, and he's, he's just a great, he's a solid player. He's a great player, and I think that he'll help kind of shore up the secondary for the
0: Cardinals, which is a big need. Yeah, and the Bills, two picks later, might be disappointed if they make this big a reality because I think the Bills could use a guy like Andrew Booth opposite of Tredavious White in that yeah. secondary. But now the Dallas Cowboys on the clock at 24. And uh, as I said on uh, the last episode we did, which was uh, an NFC East Strat preview, I see the Cowboys are doing one of three things here. Wide receiver, guard, or edge. And Tyler Linderbaum is the best player on the board, but I'm not sure he is the best scheme fit Dallas. Dallas, I believe, runs more of a uh, a power gap uh, scheme for their offensive line. Tyler Linderbaum is strictly zone, and that is why Tyler Linderbaum is uh, falling because he's not uh, as scheme diverse as uh, many around the league hope. But George Carlatus out of Purdue would make perfect sense. Line him up opposite of Demarcus Lawrence. Have him immediately slide in to replace Randy Gregory, who the Cowboys lost to the Broncos in a contractor fluffle, and. Putting Loftus and Lawrence at defensive end gives Micah Parsons the freedom he needs to constantly move around the formation. This is what Dan Quinn wants for the Cowboys' defense to free up Micah Parsons. Drafting George Loftus right here does exactly that. George Loftus, the pick for the Cowboys at 24. Uh, Buffalo on the clock.
1: Yeah, I'm sure Buffalo's not, not pleased with Steve Keim um, and, taking, and the Cardinals taking Andrew Booth. But let's see here. I I really like Jahan Dotson. I really like him, and I think that the Bills, the more weapons Josh Allen has, the more chance that they have to finally make it over that hump. And it's too rich. It's still too rich. I feel like for a running back. I feel like they could obviously use some more help in the run game. Um, but no, I'm gonna go.
0: I'm gonna go Jahan Dotson. Yeah, Jahan Dotson, uh, they have not re-signed Emmanuel Sanders, and I do not think they plan to resign Emmanuel no. Sanders. And Jahan Dotson, uh, he has a very similar skill set to Emmanuel Sanders. He would be a perfect replacement. Uh, that pick makes a ton of sense, there, Carmen. Very good job. And now the Tennessee Titans on the clock at 26. This is where I could see them drafting somebody like Bernard Ryman at right tackle uh, mm-hmm. because uh, I'm not sure whether Dylan Radins is a right tackle or a guard. And I have a thing the Titans might think he's better at guard. And if they think he's better at guard, they're going to take Bernard Ryman here. But if they think Dylan Raidens is a better tackle than guard, they'll take Kenyon Green on a Texas A&M at this pick. And uh, I do not know what they think about Dylan Raidens, but just to shake things up just a little bit, let's just say the Titans think Dylan Raidens will be a better guard and they take Bernard Ryman. Offensive title from Austria and Central Michigan at 26. The Bucks, yep. your previous employer on the clock. My previous employer.
1: Uh they also definitely need to solidify the interior of the line. I think having both is,
0: is Tyler Lindenbaum
1: still on there.
0: Uh Tyler I think Both him
1: and and Kenny Green are are both there so I think that if this ends ends up being the case that Jason Lane is very very happy he is a former offensive lineman and defensive lineman actually himself but he's hit on quite a few of these guys I including uh Tristan Wirfs not just the other just the other year two years ago they got a starting starter ready right tackle and I couldn't love Tristan more and I've talked to Tristan about Tyler Linderbaum he is a firm believer in his friend his former teammate um and I'm just a firm believer in Midwest offensive linemen so we're gonna go Tyler Linderbaum and I think the Bucks are super pumped about that That they have two Iowa guys oh I love it
0: That that would be a very fascinating pick because you just re-signed Ryan Jensen. And by the way, Carmen was the first to break that story, ladies and gentlemen, of Ryan Jensen signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I hope uh, most uh, in the uh, national media um, would uh, give her credit for that. (laughs) And, uh, but Mm. Tyler Linderbaum, a a knock on him is that he's a center only. He doesn't play guard and he just re-signed Ryan Jensen. So what would that do to Ryan Jensen? Uh, Would you... Uh, would the Bucks be willing to move him to guard and put Linderbaum at center? Believe it or
1: not, guard is actually Jensen's uh, more natural position. It's what he started in the league as with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, he's moved to center and he's definitely Tom Brady's center of the future. I'm not suggesting that Tyler Linderbaum would come in and and by any stretch of the imagination replace Jensen. And they they do have um, their third round pick out of Notre Dame. Robert Hainsey has been working at center. Uh, he's actually working with Aq Shipley, who was a former coach of the Bucks, out in Arizona, um, to learn that position. But I honestly think that you put Tyler Linderbaum at guard, and especially right guard, and he gets to play next to Tristan Wirfs. Um, and I think that he could that that could be a good position for him. And I don't know, I like it. I like it a lot. And I think that it allows you from some flexibility, um, especially with someone that has played center at a high level. Should anything happen to. Uh, Ryan Jensen, because I don't think Robert Haines is quite ready enough to be the bona fide backup at that position, which is such a crucial one on the line.
0: It most certainly is, and uh, all it takes is one team to believe Tyler Lindemann can play guard. If the Bucs think he could play guard, God bless him, go take him. And the Packers are back on the clock at 28, and they have to take a wide receiver here. Uh, Traylon Burks, um, he is kind of like a jumbo sized version of Debo Samuel, but I do not think that's what they're looking to get for Aaron Rodgers. I think the guy they're looking to get for Aaron Rodgers is this guy right here, Christian Watson out of North Dakota state. Wow. They want a tall guy that could take the top off the of defense. Christian Watson is that guy. He'll immediately become Aaron Rodgers go to guy, uh, in the passing game. Christian Watson, the pick for the Packers at 28. Chiefs on the clock with back-to-back picks. You make the first one.
1: I think the Chiefs are going to take Traylon Burks then um, because, you know, there's just, with how creative Andy Reid's offense is and Eric Bieniemy's offense is, um, I feel like they could do so many things with Traylon Burks. And I've seen quite a few mocks um, with that that happening. So I think that they would be thrilled. And they obviously need um, to try and make up for Tyree kills options any way that they can so I, I don't think just one player is going to be able to do that I think you're going to need a couple
0: yeah Traylon Burks to the Chiefs at 29 and I had my eyes on a certain edge rusher here but I just cannot take my eyes off Devin Lloyd who is inexplicably still on the board here Devin Lloyd he is like Micah Parsons like he, he, you can uh, have him play off-ball linebacker with Nick Bolton, who he drafted last year in some packages, and in other packages, have him roam around and line him up at edge. Devin Lloyd could play edge for you, and he has very, very good skills rushing the passer off the edge. Devin Lloyd is a multifaceted defender that Steve Spagnuolo would absolutely love, and the value is just too good to pass here. Devin Lloyd, the pick to the Chiefs at 30. Dangles on the clock. Well, Kenny Green's
1: still there. Their offensive line is still a mess. The fact that they made it as far as they did, with how atrocious that offensive line was, they will not make that mistake again. So, if you got Kenyon Greens on the board, you're taking him for sure.
0: Yes, and uh, I think the way they improved that offensive line with Alex Kappa and Ted Karras and Lyle Collins, now yep. you put Kenyon Green at that other guard spot. The offensive yep. line might be a strength for the Bengals in 2022 and that is scary for the rest of the AFC North the rest of the AFC and the rest of the National Football League and last but not least the Detroit Lions and the pick they got in the Matthew Stafford trade on the clock at 32 overall, Daxton Hill, Lewis scene, Jaquan Brisker. Jalen, P- you guys have Jalen Petre rated too low based on what you told me about him. You have him rated too, no. too, too low. Any mm-hmm. one of these three safeties would be ideal picks for the Lions. And Aaron Glenn is a defensive coordinator that wants to run as many dime packages as possible. And uh, he, he would love either one of Daxton Hill, Lewis scene, or... Um, Jalen Petre but I'm going to give him Louis Seen because he's been getting a lot of love in NFL circles, and he uh, is uh, a guy that can immediately become an elite center fielder and get you a lot of interceptions and game-changing plays like that. Louis Seen, I think, would be a great pick for the Detroit Lions at 32, and that concludes our fifth and final mock draft of the year and she once again is carmen vitale senior nfl reporter and managing editor of the draft network follow her on twitter at carmy v carmen thank you so so much once again for donating your time and your incredible talents to this show and that concludes today's special episode but we'll be back on monday with our very special interview with chicago Bears center cody whitehair also, our 2022 NFL Draft live streams will begin at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday night, April 28th, and 6.30 p.m. Eastern time on Friday night, April 29th. So mark your calendar so you can catch myself, my right-hand man, Hal Bent, Andrew Weedman, and other special guests break down every single pick as they are made. In addition, from literally right now through April 29th, you can donate to help raise some much-needed funds for orphan children in Ukraine. Click the link in my Twitter bio for more details and always know that no contribution is too small. Speaking of which, be sure to follow me on Twitter at DCROM59 and on Instagram at SportsCrunch with DCROM and TikTok at SportsCrunch with DCROM as well. And that is Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and approved sportscrunch.com where the mock draft Carmen and I just did will be posted early next week. For Carmen Vitale, this is David Cromelo saying so long, stay awesome, and whatever you're doing next week during draft night please continue to keep the brave, inspiring people of Ukraine in your thoughts and prayers. And until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool and Slava Ukraini! Glory to Ukraine!